to understand it and receive it. Father, I thank you to open up every heart to receive. Open up ears to hear. Make us attentive to what you have to say to us today. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So if you guys can let me know at 60 minutes. We want to stop at 60, okay, and not go the full time. I can do it. I am a disciplined person. (laughs) But, uh, you know, because we want to go out and do some things, I don't want to go real, real long. So, uh, but, you know, give me five minutes at 55, okay? Hello? All right. Thank you. Amen. So um, today we're going to talk about the fact that God performs what we believe. Okay. He, we always say God performs his word, but if you want it performed in your life, you have to add the element of faith to it. We must grab on to the fact that faith is an action. It is an activity. Faith without works is dead. So it's not working for you if you don't work it. And we're going to talk about how to put faith in action and how <clears throat> how to make sure that when we're we say we're believing, we are really believing and we're not uh in a dormant place where our faith is inactive, like you put your faith in park somewhere and it's not really working for you. So there are ways to keep your faith stirred up, there are ways to increase your faith. There are all of these activities that we must engage in if we want to make sure that our faith is bringing in uh what we need it to bring in and that God is performing on what we believe. So in, uh, let me see, John chapter 11, if you'll turn there, uh, I wanted to talk about, um, uh, the performance of, of things and how, how, uh, God brings things into our lives so that we can see them. Amen. You need to see what it is that God has promised you. Uh, I think many times we'll say we're believing, but we're sitting in neutral somewhere. We got our faith in park, and it's not really active. And it's not uh, acting out on acting on your faith is not worrying about whether you're doing enough. You got me? Because there's a place where we can get overwrought. In our concern about our faith and in our concern about whether we're doing enough, I think what we need to do is seek to have peace with God whenever we're uh, believing him for things. But there are certain things that we need to commit to to do every day that keep our faith strong and keep it active and keep it alive. So uh, in John chapter 11, this is the story about Lazarus being raised from the dead. And so we have Jesus uh, having been told while Lazarus was sick that he was sick and he needed to be healed. His family wanted him well. His sisters wanted him well. Martha and Mary were often... Uh, uh, They were followers of Christ, as was their brother Lazarus, but they also had entertained the Lord at their home. And so they were familiar with him. In fact, they referred to Lazarus as his friend. And so Jesus knew that he was not, because of what he was called to do by the Father, he was not going to be able to get back 
to Lazarus before he died, but that he would go and raise him from the dead. So that was always Jesus' plan. And this is the issue sometimes with our believing and our asking God for things. We are so focused on our end of it, we don't realize that God has a plan inside of our need. You feel me? So when we get exhausted believing, you have to take an account that God is doing something too. And so it's not just for you to get what you want. It's for you to receive from God. And so if you don't mind if God has a stake in your life, do you? I mean, you really... Are you really going to begrudge him being able to do some work for his kingdom while he's getting your promise to you? So we have to live like this, folks. We have to live in a place where we have to hold on to our faith and allow God to work his sovereign will into our lives as well. So there are some things that Jesus wants to do in the midst of you getting what you're asking for. One of the things is that he wants to strengthen your faith. He wants to because he's the author and finisher of your faith. So he's working on your faith. There's something he wants out of your life that he has to develop your faith to get. And so if you'll keep that in mind, you won't be so impatient and you won't be so hasty and you won't be so apt to want to quit and complain and I don't like this and I don't like that and uh, you know that that way that we get sometimes uh, because we're only looking at what we want see selfishness will always leave you in a place of complaining because it's never satisfied so when you when you you have to be careful your wants You have to just let go of it and trust God to bring it to you in the right season. He knows when your bills are due. He knows when everything in your life is due. And he promised to take care of those needs. So why are we whining, complaining, and and carrying on about we missed it or we might miss it or it might not come on time or it won't be this or it won't be that. And so in order to take care of that, You have to make yourself, you have to commit yourself to live a certain way so that you're not plucking up whatever uh, seed you planted with your negative speaking. See, uh, a complaint is like a shovel. It digs away at your good seed. Well, nobody believes that, but, you know, see, we think we have a right to complain. You know, we live in the realm of rights way more than we live in privileges it's a privilege to be able to go to god with your needs but as far as rights are concerned you have none because the devil took them away from us when we sinned and so forget about your rights i know a lot of people out there marching around and demanding this and demanding that the only person you can demand anything from is the devil because he's a thief amen but you still have to do the work of faith in order to get that authority and that power to work for you I can tell people who who walk in authority because they they stand in authority and command the devil on a continual instead of whining and complaining to God. 
You know, I mean, it's just true. If you move by the spirit, you are moved by who has to be addressed in getting the work done that needs to get done. And so it's not always a matter of waiting on God to drop something in your lap. And and then if you don't want to wait on that, you you abruptly step out and do it yourself. Get it yourself by your own means. That's not faith. That's emotion. That's immaturity. God wants people who are going to let their faith mature and let it strengthen so that in your your living to get the things you need, you can come out of that selfish mode of wanting what you want when you want it and then being angry at God if you don't get it when you want it. You know, that's that's what children do. And so when you, as you mature in God, Jesus begins to develop your faith because he has to finish your faith. It's his faith anyway. It's just on loan to us so that we can acquire the things that we desire in life. And so if you understand that you didn't bring anything to the table, what you did was you repented of your sin and you let that go. And so when you let your sin go, you have to let selfishness go as well and self-centeredness in everything that you do and understand that I'm, I'm here for a divine purpose. There's more to me than what I eat, drink, or wear. So let me start understand or how I feel. That's the other part of it. So let me start focusing on what is a kingdom aspect of what I'm to doing. Well, a kingdom aspect would be for you to live in peace. Just, just quit your, your, your struggling, your straining, your whining, complaining, and, and make up your mind that you're gonna live in God's peace. And once that peace descends upon your life, then you do everything you can to maintain that peace with Him so that it doesn't leave you. And that's the first sign of living in God's kingdom is that peace of God that comes upon you and it is your constant companion and you're not moved too easily by what you see. So here we have Jesus at the tomb of Lazarus. Verse 34, he says, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, behold how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? So you see a bunch of people here who have given up because they wanted him healed. And when he died, it was all over as far as they're concerned. So who you have people here standing around this tomb who are hopeless They see Jesus weeping. They think he's mourning because, oh, how he loved him. That's what you say to people who are bereaved and upset because somebody has died. And so it says, couldn't he have, even this man, couldn't he have, if he had come sooner, couldn't he have have healed him? So they're thinking Jesus is in the same condition as they are. They're upset. They're weeping, they're mourning, they think he's doing the same thing. Unbelief always misinterprets spiritual truths. Write that down. Because if you, the first thing you have to check in yourself is when you start saying, what do I need to do to get God to do this? What did I do wrong? What did I do? That's unbelief talking to you. 
Unbelief has already given up the ghost. And so here we have all these people standing around in unbelief. They're mourning over Lazarus. They, they think Jesus has come to the tomb to weep and mourn for him as well. And some of them said, could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind, well he could have done it if he could have got here sooner. And this is another aspect of unbelief. Unbelief is concerned about running out of time. So when you find your your mind scared about running out of time or running out of money or running out of anything that lacks speaks lack, that's unbelief. So you have to check yourself. And pull yourself back into faith. Pull your mind. No, I'm not going to think like that. Because God will provide my every need and it will be on time in Jesus name. He's never too late. He's never too short. He's, he's never out of resources, resources. He always has more than enough. Father, I worship you, El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough for every need that I have. I serve the God of abundance and I thank you that abundance is available to me in Jesus' name. Now that's a much better atmosphere to live in than one of giving up, it's too late, what did I do wrong, when is it going to happen, what's in it for me. So he says, there, verse 38, therefore Jesus again groaning in himself came to the grave. It was a cave and a stone was laid upon it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Now people looking at him said, now wait a minute Jesus, now I know you loved him and all that, but that stone is up there for a reason. Uh huh. So you know how some people get real emotional at funerals? They're wondering if Jesus has gone off the deep end now, want to go throw himself on the dead body and weep some more. You got me? They have no clue why he's telling them to take this stone away. So Martha comes up and tries to stop him and explain to him that the we can't take that stone away because he's been in there too long. You know he died three days ago, Jesus. Now we can't do that. He's starting to decompose already. And he says he's been dead four days. Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? So what does he, what's he mean by this? If you believe, you will see the glory of God. What about her makes him know that she's not believing? He's dead and he's going to stay dead. See, you, you believe for a healing, but you can't believe for a raising from the dead. But if you, but you, if you believe one, you can believe the other one. You see how the human mind works? We think Jesus, God can pay, you know, like your regular bills that you get every month. You don't struggle with those, but let you go buy something different or add to that. Then you start to, your mind goes, uh, see, he can take care of my everyday bills and that's fine. But don't let me stretch my faith out and want to believe God for something more. 
See, then you get nervous. And so if we, faith is faith. If you can believe him from the every, for the everyday, you can believe him for the extra. You can believe him for the extraordinary. You can believe him for the add to's. So you have to make up your mind to apply your faith to every situation. Don't, don't pull your faith out of the situation because it's more than what you know to have been done in the past. You got me? Or it's different. Or it's extraordinary. Or it's not the everyday. It's not the average thing. Don't pull your faith back because you haven't done it before. You haven't seen it before. You haven't heard of it before. If it's, if God's in it, He can do it. How do we get God in it? You go to His Word. You have to pray in faith according to His Word. You have to see in the Word where He can do it. If your mind tells you it's impossible, then you have to look for, for the Word to tell you that with God all things are possible. All things. Well, I don't know if God wants to do this. Sure He does. He said all things. Why don't you ask Him and see if He wants to do it? That's the only way you'll know that he's able to do all things. So what Jesus is telling Martha here, he says, even now you can believe me. Hmm? Even though your brother died and you're all disappointed because it pretty much that's the story, the end of the story for pretty much a 100% of the people who die stay dead. But Jesus tells her, you can still believe. You can still believe for a miracle. You can still believe for raising up. You can still believe for me to send you somebody special in your life. You can still believe for me to reconcile a bad relationship. You can still believe for me to do those impossible things. Because God is the God of the impossible. We are God of the possible. Amen. When we see it's easy, then we feel real good about ourselves. But you need God for those impossible things. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I knew that you hear me always. But because of the people which stand by I said it that they may believe that you have sent me. And we, when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go free. Loose him from what? From your unbelief, which was keeping him in the grave. This is all it is. Your unbelief keeps all this in it. Lazarus is, is symbolic of a promise that we're asking God for. That many times we think it's too late. Many times we think that promise is dead. Many times we think, well, we used to want that, but we don't want it anymore. What happened? You killed it. You buried it with your unbelief. You let unbelief start talking to you one day and you listened and you kept listening and you kept listening and you kept listening. And that's how that thing got buried. You thought because uh, a, a spouse didn't want it, it wasn't possible. 
you thought because your children had been in trouble or been on drugs it wasn't possible for them to clean up and be normal citizens you thought all those things and so we bury many of the promises of God through our unbelief we just feel that it's never going to happen and we don't really care much for people trying to resurrect it now how can I say that well look at look at um, verses 39 and 40 Jesus says let your promise come alive again that's what he's really saying when he says take the stone from in front of the grave where you buried that relationship that God told you he was going to bring it back to life again where you buried that desire uh, for a godly spouse where you buried all of those things he says take that stone out from in front of it take that unbelief from it because I know you want it I see it in there I remember when I told you I was going to give it to you now you got it buried in a tomb and you you can't get it out yourself so Jesus comes to help us resurrect our dead promises. He does it all the time. There are things go dead in our lives. We don't even know they died. We just know we don't think about them so much anymore. When we used to think about them, they worried us. Why? Because we never applied faith to it. Anything you want is a worry until you apply faith to it. Huh? The word want means lack so you don't have it yet in your possession if you don't ask God for it and seek to develop your faith around it it'll worry you that's where worries come from it's things that we desire things that we want that we don't have and we haven't applied faith to them once you apply faith to it then it comes alive and you get excited about it and you desire it and you want to see it come to pass at least for a little while and then the devil tells you you can't have it again but if you keep fighting the good fight of faith you keep putting up a, a, a an offense toward the devil's lies then eventually you will get peace about that thing and hold on to your peace because that's your your claim ticket for your promise Huh? The Bible tells us if we, if we, uh, lack anything, we're to ask God, make your request known to God, and the peace of God will guard your heart and mind. Let peace be your guard. Let peace be your umpire. Thank you, Lord, for your peace. I know I prayed about that, and that's on the way. I thank you. That that promise is closer to me today than it was yesterday. I thank you Lord that it's moving into my life quickly. Amen. However soon you want it. You apply the time to it. And God just, just you said you send your word speedily. Thank you, Lord, your word runs swiftly across the earth. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for bringing that to me. Amen. When you would worry, when you would think about it and say it's never going to happen. No, God, it's going to happen because you gave me your peace and your peace tells me that it's on the way, that you heard me. And in, in the from the day that I believed you, it got better and not worse. Amen. It's getting better and not worse. And so we have to really divorce ourselves from the seen realm 
And this is what Jesus is trying to tell these people at the tomb. You are living totally by what you see and not by what I say. So Jesus has to prove to the people there, men, that, that he has power over death. He called Lazarus out of the tomb. And it says that that was dead came forth. Boy is that a promise. I mean that will work for anything in your life. Think of all the things. Look at your relatives that aren't saved. You need to start calling them forth. And let those people that were dead in their sins come forth unto repentance. Amen. And just believe God for the impossible. I know everybody thinks it's impossible. Listen, I got relatives too. You know, God worked miracles with my family, my immediate family. They were all in church and in different levels of believing. But God got them to the point where they're totally converted. You understand what I'm saying? And, and they're sold out on God. And that's what you want. You don't want this this iffy stuff where you believe they want or you look at a little bit of... of uh, uh, you know, you find out one of them likes to watch some minister on Christian television. You get all happy. That doesn't mean salvation. Salvation belongs to the Lord. You stay with that prayer until you get peace that they're in. God, let me see them worship you. Let me see them renounce the devil. Let me see them turn their lives around. You have a right to request that. I mean, if you want to see it. Now, if you want to play games, play games. But but look at the time they waste serving the devil because we don't get in gear with God and use our faith to see the impossible. But those dead things come forth at Jesus' command. It says, many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things what Jesus did believed on him. So now he's converted many of the Jews. That's religious people. Amen. Like me and like you were before we came into the knowledge of the truth. But some of them went their way to the Pharisees. Hello, enemies told them what Jesus had done. Then the the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered a council and said, what are we going to do? Because he does miracles. And if if we let him alone, all men will believe on him and the Romans will come and take away our place in our nation. So here you see religious spirits and political spirits are the same devil. Hmm? Because they have a political position and they stand in an office in God. And so you have to be careful fighting these demons. Because the religion can turn political at the drop of a hat. Because it's the same spirit. One of them works in the church, the other one works in the world. But they know how to flip-flop. They're very smart. And so they, when when they said that, the high priest who no doubt was faithful to God, he said to them, you don't know what you're talking about. He said, you don't know anything. He says, nor consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people and the whole nation perish not. And this he spoke not of himself, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus should die for the nation. And not for that nation only, but also that he should gather together in one the children of God that were scattered abroad. Then from that day they took counsel together to put him to death. And so uh, 
when Jesus, Jesus knew his fate. He knew every day of his life how how long he would be on this earth when he would die etc but he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil because God was with him and that's what he expects us to do i don't care what your your personal life is like you know your your love life can be non-existent a shambles or whatever but you still have within you the ability to go about doing good and healing people why because god is with us at all times it doesn't matter what your you know your personal situation is it really doesn't because god can use us and he wants to use us because he still has a kingdom to run you know, my my contention is that if you will work for God, you will see those situations in your life clear up because he wants to bring you goodness in every area of your life. But we know it's not possible to, to have good things all the time in every area. But God is definitely working on it. Sometimes he's telling you to go out and serve and do something for somebody else so you can sow seed toward the goodness that come in your life. Sometimes he can't do much for us because we haven't done enough for him. And so consider that to be an, an encouragement to you uh, to always uh, look for what God has for you to set your hand to. Just just set your hand to what God has for you and, and he will bring these things to pass. So God will perform what we believe. He told Martha if she would believe she would see the glory of God. And I think that's true all the time. If we believe, we'll see what God's doing. We'll see that he's doing good things and we'll even be able to participate in that. So we must believe his word will come to pass. Amen. You see, many times in the Bible, God would tell people this time tomorrow, thus and thus and thus, this time next year, thus and thus and thus and thus will happen. Now we see examples in the Bible where that came to pass, but think about the people that might have been said to that didn't believe it and they didn't see it. You got me? But when people believe, they definitely see. God believes his own word. So his word has faith in itself. All right, wake up everybody now. Come on, get with it. Put a pen in your hand. Put the pen on the paper. Quit cozying up here. See, if y'all was out somewhere ripping and running, you'd stay awake and couldn't wind you down. Isn't that like the devil to steal when you get in, in, in under the word? He'd put you to sleep here and keep you awake uh, everywhere else. So, faith, you need to know, is is a labor. I mean, you really do have to labor to make sure your faith stays active. Faith places responsibility on man to believe God. Hebrews 4.11 tells us that we must labor to enter into our rest. So faith is the product 
of our labor in the word. And what do I mean when I say labor? That means that you have to fight the good fight of faith. You have to put down doubt. You have to put down unbelief. And you have to study to show yourself approved unto God. In 2 Timothy 2.15. You know people think faith is passive. But faith you know there is a work of faith that we must do. In order to please God. And in order to attain the promises. So it's. I mean, there is a rest in it, but you gotta labor to get there. You, you don't just, you know, hear a scripture and go lay down somewhere and think it's gonna work for you. So, <clears throat> 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. What that means is that there's right interpretations and there's wrong interpretations of the word of God. And and Paul is telling Timothy, keep studying until you get the right revelation, the right understanding, the right grasp of it, so that your faith will be built on something solid and you're not just trying to, to quote a bunch of scriptures or, you know, make a bunch of recitations and think that's pleasing God. So we're studying to show ourselves approved unto God. So when God gives you that stamp of approval, which is his peace, then you know you got it. Amen. You, you know it makes sense to you. You know you understand it. Now I've had this happen to me. I'll, I'll get a revelation from God, get understanding. And, and it, it sounds like I said, oh yeah. And, and I'll grab that. And then pretty soon it's gone. It'll like leave you. Revelation is like that. It's a quickening of the Holy Ghost. So you'll get that flash. Of power on the inside of you and light that comes on the inside of you that lets you know God has explained something to you. But if you don't see quickly to apply it, it won't stick. See? So then you look for ways and places to apply that truth that you have received. And I think this is where we oftentimes fail and have to go right back and start almost all over again trying to understand just basic principles. You know what I'm saying? We we kind of let them slip because we don't understand they will slip if you don't apply them. Uh, I was I was talking to uh, Pastor Shirley about. And we were just chatting and she was telling me, um, she was watching the Duggars and, uh, and, and, uh, we were talking about schools and, and, you know, the problems that there are in schools now. And she, she'd been helping her grandchildren with their, their schoolwork over the years. And she said that, that the kids would always say, well, Gigi, the teachers don't know as much as we do. They don't, they don't know how to do this. They don't understand. And for a while she was puzzled about it and she said, you know, I think I understand what they're saying. But she was telling me that she was watching the Duggars program and they have always homeschooled their children. But they draw from a pool 
of other homeschoolers. And many of them are educators. Many of them, like for instance, if she wants her children to play instruments, well, she can't play them all. So they have music teachers to come in and whatever, whatever the kid wants to play, they get somebody to teach them how to do it, you know, and, and all of that. And she was saying that one of the, uh, young men that married one of their daughters, uh, teaches math. He's got a master's degree. I don't know what in education or something, but he taught them math. And what he did was he taught them how to take a recipe and figure out how many, how much of each ingredient, go to the store and buy it and come home and fix the meal. And Pastor Shirley said, she said, you know, I really love what he did. She said, because he got to show them to, to, this is important to know, and I'll show you why it's important to know, and you can put it to use. And see, that's what we have to do with our faith. When God gives you a new revelation, you got to take it home, you got to study it, and then you got to start applying it because there are going to be situations that will come up immediately in your life that God expects you to apply it to. If you start applying the word, it won't leave you so quickly. See, faith without works is dead. If you really have faith in that that you're listening to, You will think to yourself, God, I need to start putting this to work in my life. Show me places where I can put this to work and put it to work. You got me? I mean, it's so simple we miss it big time. Because that's why people don't, that's why people drop out of church. They don't apply what they learn. They sit there from Sunday to Sunday and pretty soon they're grumbling. Oh boy, we gotta hear this story over again. And oh, I could be, I get sick of hearing this and I'd be glad when they get on something else. You know the drill. Why? Because we are not engaging our faith and then putting works to it. We don't know how to labor to enter into your rest. So you don't rest when you get the revelation. You rest when you start applying it. And then you start to settle it in and it becomes a part of you and it's incorporated in your belief system and you learn how to grab it quickly when you need it. That's what this is for. This is to hold, grab on to something quickly when you need it. Many times unbelief will hinder us from getting the things that we want because we don't apply you know and I'm as guilty as the next person I can I can hear good sermons and I say oh boy that's good and I'll preach on it or something like that and then put it away and I'll look go back and look at my notes I said boy this is something I should have you know I could stay on this for I mean it happens all the time but there are certain things we need to do we need to endeavor to hold on to these things and make them a part of us so that we can continue with them. Amen. Sometimes we'll, we'll, we'll be doing things, uh, as a routine and not really putting faith into them. You know, uh, you know, if, if you have like a chronic pain or something like that, you know, if you, like sometimes I'll get up if I didn't sleep, uh, in the right position, you know, I'll get up and I have a little pain in my joint or something like that. And and if I, if I study the pain, it won't go anywhere. 
But I've learned how to get up and start addressing God and thanking him for healing me. Thanking him when when a, a something is out of joint, something doesn't feel right. I'll begin to thank him for healing. And Lord, I am healed and I thank you for it. Now, there are times when I'll say, oh, this is new. What does this? It doesn't mean anything. If you were healed with the last thing that grabbed you, you're healed with this thing too. You got me? And, and so it's easy for unbelief. All I'm telling you, the easy route is to let unbelief come and settle in on you. And you start giving in to how you feel. I don't feel good. Well, I'm okay. You know, that kind of stuff. And and But you need to, if you really, really believe the word... You need to say the word all the time. It's not going to happen with part-time obedience to it. You got me? You have to, you have to be consistent with it. And then that way God knows you mean it and that way it'll stick with you. Amen. I was, was, uh, um, praying with somebody and they told me that they and their husband had started getting up and worshiping God every morning. And so periodically I say, y'all still on your program? Oh yeah, we worship. And I could tell by the way they said it that they were committed. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes you'll do things on a tryout or a trial basis. But you can try it for a season, but at some point you need to commit to it. You know, and say, I'm not stopping. I remember his testimony Norval Hayes gave about a gentleman. He was a um, pineapple farmer, I think, over in Hawaii. He would go over, he would do these prosperity um, uh, conferences over in Hawaii <clears throat> at a friend's church. And he said there was a man there and he came up for prayer. And he told Norval, he said, I don't know what to do. He said, I'm over $40,000 in debt. He said, I borrowed from people. He said, the uh, pineapple company, large a large uh, pineapple company came in and bought out all the independent farmers and the ones that that were still trying to hang on were trying to hang on well he didn't get bought out so he still had his equipment he still had all of this stuff and he couldn't find any work because they hired on a certain number of people but didn't need anymore so he was saying he'd been trying to make ends meet he's borrowed from all his relatives blah this blah that and Norval told him he said I'm going to tell you how to get yourself out of this debt he said and I want you to to Agree to do it. And the, guy, the man said, we'll do anything. He and his wife were there. And Norval instructed them from, I think it's Psalm 103, uh, wealth and riches will be in the man who fears the Lord. Wealth and riches will, his seed will be mighty upon the earth. Cause he had almost bankrupt the whole family. They were all angry at him, couldn't get their money back on. He wasn't making any money. And so, uh, Norval said he went back a year later. And uh, the, before they adjourned, the pastor said, Brother Norval, I want somebody to come up and give a testimony. They say where uh, God has blessed them because of something that you taught them last year. And then he said the man gave up and gave his testimony. The pastor later remarked that this man gave the largest tithe in the whole church. 
And this was just in one year. But he told the story. He said, my wife and I decided that we would do what you told us to do. He said, we got up every morning and we worshiped and praised the Lord. He said, we would get in the word. He said, the first month, nothing happened. Second month, nothing happened. He said, by the third month, we made up our minds that if we never got any work, we're going to do it anyway. See, that's when you break through. See, God doesn't want to bless people who just worship him when they need something and quit when they get it. And he knows when you're converted. He knows when you're sold out on the inside. He knows when you've broken through your stubborn flesh that don't want to praise God anyway. That never wants to praise God. He knows when you've broken through that. He knows when you've gotten beyond feelings and you're over into the realm of the spirit and into, into faith. So there was something that happened to these people in the process of worship that converted them. And that's what we don't see when we're sitting on the outside in unbelief. And looking at our circumstances and being mad about them and don't want to do this and don't want to do that and got to have this and got to have that. See, that's you've got to get beyond that point. And you've got to be sold on the fact that God's word is true no matter what I think about it. Amen. And this will work no matter what I see happening around me. This will take care of me whether I get rich, whether I don't get rich, whether I prosper, whether I don't. This works for me because it's God's word and I'm going to obey God's word. So you got to get there, folks. You're not there. We're not born there. And we don't convince too easily either. But I'll tell you, if you quit watching things and just let God lead you and guide you and trust, you, you'll get it. You know, you'll get it. You'll, you'll, you'll be eager to get up and worship God. You'll be eager to give him glory. You'll be eager to turn the plate down or turn the TV off or whatever you have to do. Quit going to the movie so much. Quit, quit, you know, the Netflix and all that other kind of nonsense we purchase. You know, you'll be quick to put that down for the superior thing, which is time with God. Amen. It's always superior to what what you you would do to amuse yourself or to waste a bunch of time or whatever it is you know we spend way too much time i can't say anybody spends too much time in god's word but we spend way too much time in other endeavors that don't contribute to our faith you got faith to cultivate here folks you can never have too much faith you can never spend too much time with god you can never 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 amen so uh hebrews 4 says we must labor to enter into our rest let me find that for us hebrews 4:11 <clears throat> And it talks about hardening ourselves against the word. 
And that's what you don't want to do. You don't want to keep saying, well, it's not going to work and it didn't work the last time and, you know, I'm, I'm going to try it. We should be beyond trying things, folks. We should be sold on them by now. And it says, Let me start in verse 1. He said, let us therefore fear lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. So uh, the the New Testament uh, writings are admonishing. You'll see these admonishments not to leave any promise un touched you know it's like God has given us these things and there's no reason why we can't attain to them there's no reason why we can't have these things and it says here for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them but the word preached did not profit them not being mixed with faith in them that heard it so whenever you hear God's word you must mix it with your faith and say God I believe this so okay, I receive it, or nod your head, you know, something to to let that let your faith loose to grab it. He says, "For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, and they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world." For he spoke in a certain place on the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all of his works. So if God rested, we rest with him. God is not laboring anymore, but the labor we must do is to get out of this earth suit that we stay so wrapped up in and let our spirit man break out and go and rest with God in faith. See, we're entering into the realm of the spirit where the rest of God is. Where he has ceased from his labors, but we got to labor to get there. You got to work to put that stuff out of your mind. You've got to meditate on his word. You've got to live a life pleasing to him. So there's a labor. And then you got to study to show yourself approved unto him. So there's much to do, folks. I mean, seriously. The nice thing is God will will develop a lifestyle with you of continual rest with him. Just focused on his word and understanding. When you, if you feel bored or, or, you know, you lack understanding of things, go back to his word again. You know, take that time. Say, God, I'm going to, you know, find me some scriptures here that are going to give me a greater confidence in you, greater trust in you, all that kind of stuff. You, you know what the deal is. Sometimes we, we put things off and put them off and put them off and then pretty soon we, Spent all day looking Facebook or something crazy, you know, and not doing the word like we should, you know, to to get us in a place where where faith comes to us pretty easily. So he says here, uh, and uh, let me see, verse six. He says, seeing therefore it remains that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. So he's talking about the Jew who did not believe God 
even when Jesus came. Again, he limits a certain day, saying, saying in David, today, after so long a time, as it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. So whenever you hear God's word, Whenever you, you hear the word preached, whenever you hear it ministered, don't sit there and not receive it. Just open your heart to receive the word of God. Open your heart to let it come in. That's God's word. I don't care who preaches it. You know, there's some preachers I don't really care for their, uh, their, um, focus of their ministry or whatever it is it doesn't really appeal to me a whole lot but the word is the word you know it's God's word so find somebody you like and listen to them but listen to, <laughs> listen to the word of God you know what I'm saying it says don't harden your hearts for if Jesus had given them rest then would he not afterward have spoken of another day there remains therefore a rest for the people of God For he that is entered into his rest, he has also ceased from his own works as God did from his. So you're going to stop trying to confess enough to please God. You're going to start confessing to, you know, increase your faith. You see, one is a labor you think is going to please God. The other is a labor of faith. To enter into your rest. God I'm not going to close this Bible. Until I get a good understanding of this. I'm not going to stop. Until you can give me peace. That that you know I'm healed. Or peace that my my uh, bills are paid. Or, or peace that my husband is coming back. Or my relationships are going to be strong. Or my children are going to be saved. Well, no matter what it is. I'm going to stay in the word. Until I get total peace about that. And just don't vary and don't waver. And and I can tell you many people are not that committed to the word. We can always drop the word and find something else to do real quick. You know what I'm saying? Instead of staying with that word until we get that breakthrough into that rest. Where we know that we know that we know that it's there. We know that we know that we know and we know some more. That we have no doubt we can't be moved. Nobody can raise a red flag and, and flag us down and get us to say it maybe won't happen. You understand what I'm saying? We, that's what you labor to enter into is that place of the knowing and that place of anticipating good only, not, not even doubting that there's something going on that would not be edifying. And, and so you, you can get to that place where you, you know and you've entered into God's rest. You know, sometimes you think, well, uh, what else do I need to do? I mean, uh, uh, is this all I need to do? You're not there yet. So just go ahead and, and do what you need to do until that gets solidified in you. And don't just cut that off because that's doubt speaking to you right there. So you go back into your word. Go back and, and study some more and get God's understanding of it. So that you can enter in and just begin a, a, a praise and a thanksgiving. 
daily thanking God for it. I thank you God I'll see it today. I thank you God it's, it's going to come to me very soon. I thank you God that this is mine. I thank you God this is this is for me. I thank you God that, that it's going to happen. God you gave me a prophecy about this and I'm going to stay in that prophecy. I'm going to stay in the word surrounding that so that I encourage my faith. I want to be encouraged in this so that it will come to pass. Don't let time pass and you still have that unbelief riding you around. You know, don't think you gotta wait for time to pass to get something from God. He's waiting on you to get your faith to the point where He can really, really bless you and it'll come into your life and it'll work for you. Amen. All right, why don't we stop? Father, we thank you for allowing us the opportunity to come before your throne and Lord, we just always want to be in faith, Lord. We want to be believing you continually, nonstop. So we love you, Lord, and we thank you and we bless you for this opportunity to use your faith for the things that we need in life and to advance your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God.